Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Pray for our elders and people who will be taking roles in the churches. Now, I'm not going to waste a lot of time. I'm just going to get straight into it. Uh, let's see. I'm going to try a bit of technology this morning. So what I'd like to talk to you briefly about, I realize we have kids that are here, um, is the life of Moses. And the reason, I just love Moses, because there's so many things we can draw from Moses, the life of Moses and what he did. So I'm going to get straight into the scripture, and I'm going to start with Exodus chapter 3. Verses 1 to 5. Now Moses was tending the flock of of Jethro, his father-in-law. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from a burning bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight while the bush was burning. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Here I am. Father, this is your word this morning. I ask that you be glorified, that you be lifted up through your word. I pray that you will give us ears to hear. You will give us a mind to conceive the things that are not natural, but the things that are supernatural. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like us to take note that um, God is in the business of getting our attention. Every single person in this room this morning have, have had a burning, a burning bush experience. You see, God knew the perfect time that he wanted to speak to his servant Moses. He was in the desert. He had come to a place where he was trying to do things his own way. He had been called to set the the Israelites free from captivity of the Egyptians. And he called Moses long before when he was put in the basket by his mom and Miriam to float down that river and be raised in a king, in in a palace the king of Egypt, had the best of everything. He was prepared. So the first thing I want us to see is that Moses was called. God knew the perfect time. And it says here that he did, when, uh, when God got Moses' attention, Moses said, here I am. I brought my burning bush experience with me this morning.
I've had these boots for a long time. Now, these boots weren't made for walking. They've done a lot of walking. You see, these boots are my burning bush experience. Most of you know that I was in this war. You've heard me talk about it many times. But one of the things I don't want to forget, my burning bush experience. When I was first got to my place in Vietnam, after flying with, uh, on helicopters and C-130s and ended up in this jungle, it was my first night. And uh, there were two guys, forgive me if you've heard the story, but it's my burning bush. I don't ever want to forget it. And what had happened is that the, 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 the soldiers who had been there for a while, they said, no, you, you need to sleep underground because if we get attacked, it can get very messy. So just arriving, I just couldn't bring myself to sleep underground. So I decided that night, just to get myself used to sleeping underground, I slept on top of the ground. Slept in a building like a hoochah, just a little um, wooden shack. It wasn't made to, to sleep in, but I slept there because I had trouble sleeping underground. And there were two guys getting ready to go back because they had finished their tour, and they were celebrating that night. And all of a sudden, we got attacked. Now, I know there's children in the room, so I'll keep it a G, all right? So we got attacked, and unfortunately, those two people lost their lives. And as I was sleeping, these boots have a steel bottom. And so what happened, when the bomb exploded, it, it has nails and razor blades and any, anything that could just do stuff to you. So these boots were placed just above my head. And after the attack, I was aware that there's shrapnel was everywhere, all around me. And what protected my head from the shrapnel was the bottom of those steel-based boots. The first night, I realized there was death knocking at the door. And then I started to look for God. And I heard God. I, from then, straight away, I realized, Lord, I don't want to die not knowing you. Here I am. The first thing I want us to see is that we will have a burning bush experience. I want you to consciously go back and try and remember your burning bush experience. Because through life, it can go dim. And sometimes it's hard to hear God speaking and to come to a place to say, here I am. So when Moses investigated the burning bush, he went to the Lord and the Lord said, here, and Moses said, here I am. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, we'll move on. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying, and because of their slave drivers, I am concerned about their suffering. There's a guy by the name of Max Lakato, and he wrote, 
Ours is the wealthiest generation of Christians ever. We are bright, educated, and experienced. We can travel around the world in 24 hours or send a message in a millisecond. We've had the most sophisticated research and medicines at our fingertips. We have ample resources. A mere 2% of the world's grain harvest would be enough if shared to erase the problems of hunger, malnutrition around the world. There's enough food on this planet to offer every person 2,500 uh, 2, calories of sustenance a day. We have enough food to feed the hungry, when your grandchildren discover you lived during the day in which 1.75 billion people were poor and 1 billion were hungry, how will they judge me, the grandkids? You know, I spent a lot of time, Sue will tell you, reading or listening to the news. And I don't have to tell you what's happening in Ukraine. I don't have to tell you what's happening in Sudan the central part of Africa. I don't have to tell you that there are certain people on this planet that are so hungry for power that they will go off and employ murderers, hired killers, professional, to go and not only attack a military, but they will attack civilians. They don't care about life. And yet we have sufficient in the world to be able to take care of a lot of the issues that we see in countries not as blessed as Australia. You see, when the people were in Egypt, they were crying out, who heard them? God heard them. There was a cry. God heard their cry. And I believe right here, outside those doors, I know that there are people in misery. I know that there are people all over the world that are in misery. And I know that God hear their cry. And just as he heard the Israelites when they were captured in Egypt, God heard their cry. And he started to prepare a people, a person, to go and set them free. You know, at the beginning of this year, or last, sorry, at the end of last year, we had our elders retreat. I was really excited. I always get excited when I meet with the elders, leaders of this church. Because what they project to me is that they're serious about what's happening in this world. They're serious about what's happening in Malaga and Ellenbrook. They're serious. And you know, I believe God has heard the cry of our community. I do believe that God is speaking to people right here in this room about what the, he, God wants them to do, just as he did with Moses. At the elders of the retreat, there was a strong word, and that word was reset, recalibrate. We don't want to just be coming in here and sitting in these seats and then go home, have lunch, whatever, because God is hearing the misery 
and the, and, 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 and the, and the, uh, the, the situations that are there, God is aware of that, and he's hearing people's cry. And you know, when I leave this planet, I want people to understand that I'm doing everything I believe God has called me to do, to be able to do something about the misery that is there. I don't want you to think about your job as a job. Because in the context of God and being a believer, there's a purpose, there's a reason why we are grandparents. We're helping our children look after children. There's a reason for that. There's a reason if you're a teacher and you're before many kids. In the context of God, there's a reason for that. If you're working in an office and you're around people, in the context of God, there's a reason for that. In the context of God, you have been called. In the context of God, you have purpose. In the context of God, you have a, de a destiny. But you see, we have an enemy that comes along, and what he wants to do is secularize, secularize our thinking and our position so that we hear the many voices that are in our ears, and what can happen is the burning bush experience can get lost. And we get absorbed in the secularism of what those voices are telling us. And it's designed to do one thing, distract, distract, distract from the purpose and destiny of God. Moses went to the burning bush. And he heard God, and he said, here I am. The second thing I would want us to take away is, can we hear the misery? Can we hear the misery? God hears the misery. God is speaking to you. He's speaking to me about the misery. The world won't be able to fix itself. It can't fix itself. If the church of Jesus Christ, God's people, if they don't fix it, how is it going to be fixed? We know the Bible tells us many things about what is to come. Can we hear the misery? In Exodus chapter 3, Moses answered, In Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 to 11, now God has spoken to Moses, and Moses said, uh, God told Moses, I am sending you to the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go face the king of Egypt and tell him to let my people go. You know, there's a lot of people walking around this earth and they don't know who they are. Who am I? Who am I? Moses kind of lost track of who he is. You see, he lost track that he was a child of God. He lost track 
that was made in the image of God. I don't have to tell you the attack on the image of God. You, me. The attack on my mind to make me question things about me. Who am I? So many, just, there's so many things now that's attacking the image of God that will cause me to question or tries. Who am I? No, I know who I am. And God knows who we are. See, data shows around the world that there's a drop-off in the attendance of church. And I just brought some of those along. And you may identify with some of these. Why is there a drop-off in attendance around the world of churches? And now this is just some, okay? If you, if you go on the internet, you'll find thousands and thousands of reasons that people will give as to why the church attendance is declining. Now, I'm going to just speak from my own personal experience. I meet a lot of Christians, all walks of life, all positions in the church, and these are some of the things that kind of, I believe, ring true. First, people have stopped attending church churches because there's a watered-down gospel. There's a cultural shift to secularism. There are secular things, how you should structure a church. Scott spoke about this last week. How you should structure a church to get the outcome. We, we don't want to look at a secular way of doing church. Scott preached last week. We know what the Bible says about how to structure church. And we know right now that in sitting here in this congregation, that there are prophets, there are teachers, there are evangelists right here now. But you see, when there's a world and an enemy that's attacking the image of God, it causes so many questions. We lose perspective. And you know, I just ask God, God, help me understand what I can say to people so that they can start to understand their identity. You know, and it says, do not forsake the gathering of God's people. And yet, there's a decline in attendance of church. Because when people come together, whether it's in a group like this, or whether it's in a, a life group, it helps with perspective. You see, if I lose my identity, I lose perspective. If I stop coming to meetings like this or a life group, then the voice of that world becomes loud. It can distract. It can confuse. And you know, when I read the Bible, and it talks about footholds and strongholds. And then I look around and you know, God's church, including me, knowing 
the capacity the enemy has. He's got a strategy to do whatever he can to stop me from doing what God wants. He had a strategy with Moses. Then I will lose my perspective. I will become confused about who I am. And I believe what God showed me a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago, because forgiveness is a very powerful foothold in the life of a believer. You know, a foothold is a strategic, it's a strategic matter. He will cause something to exist in my life or can or attempt to. And quite often it's, man, I have a family, you know, sometimes you get hurt, you work with people, people are going to hurt you, I'll tell you that now. And what I began to understand is that, boy, hurt just doesn't stay there by itself. It will go into another it will go into anger. And that just doesn't stay there either. If it's unresolved, it'll turn into resentment and then bitterness and then hatred. And what happens is because a lot of stuff takes, takes place in our subconscious mind, it becomes a stronghold. And then we can push it over in a corner and forget about it, and then it wreaks havoc. You see, the Bible says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't allow a stronghold to set up, because it will affect who I am, what I believe. Prosperity gospel teaching. People stop coming to church because if I don't, have money, it must be something wrong with my belief and my relationship with God. Negative perception of the church. If I keep hearing what the news is saying about the church, some of that may start to stick there. What they show me on TV about the church, what they say about the church, some of that might stick. So the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of my people. So when we come to a place where we realize that, you know, there's things happening in our hearts, the Bible says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The Bible says, the Word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to, deep, to, able to pierce as deep as where no one can go, no mankind can go there, no psychology can go there, no psychiatry can go there. But the word of God can go inside of me as deep as my soul and my spirit. There's nothing mankind can go there to help me understand why I think and feel and believe the things I, I do. In the context of God, the word of God, the most powerful thing we have to help us stay in a position to hear God. Now, why do we come to church? 
I'll just tell you some of the reasons that I get out of a church. I have many places I can belong. I love going to basketball. Wildcats just tore the 36s apart last night. I got a group of people around me. They just love basketball. We have all the same interests. I have other things that I could belong, other people, other groups of people I could belong to. But when I come to church, I get people say, I had a word for you. I get encouragement. I feel like I belong. And sometimes when I've had something like maybe a physical illness, I come and people pray. And there have been occasions I've been healed right over there. When I went to a war, I understood that my body was not meant to go into a war and experience the things that you experience in war. I know today that when I go to the veterans of foreign wars, that there are soldiers there or ex-soldiers there that still suffer with post-traumatic stress disorder because outside of the context of God, you can't deal with that. I come to church because I am, when pe people pray for me and I get healed and then I get restored, I understand how post-traumatic stress works. I understand that when I was over here, uh, not at this, not in, probably at Malaga, and some people prayed for me, I do not have post-traumatic stress because I was healed, I was restored. I can talk about any gory things that happened to me. I still have images in my head about what I saw. I can talk about it. Most people do the opposite. They don't talk about it. That's the worst thing you could do because it's stored away. It is still active. Never get healed. Never get restored. So when I come to church, I get prayed for. Then I begin to understand I have identity in Christ. My identity is in Jesus Christ. When we look at all the things that Jesus did in the book of Mark, it says that we have the capacity to do those things. We can heal people. We can restore people. We can set people free. And then God, and what I want us to take away from there, is know who you are. Know who you are. And then the last point, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Actually, we'll go to verse, um, uh, we'll go to verse 3. It says Exodus chapter 4, uh, we go verse 3, we'll probably may even go to 4. Okay, Moses answered, because Moses, just like you and me, if God asks us to do something, who am I? How, how can I do this? I'm, I, don't, I can't do this. I don't have the ability to do that. I start to question my own ability. So Mo Moses answered, uh, after Moses questioning God, how am I going to do this? Moses uh, answered, 
What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord here to you? What if I start to go out there and talk about God? Are they going to listen to me? Are they going to throw tomatoes at me? I don't know. Then the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it down on the ground. Moses stood on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, people who handle snakes like Sue, she's not afraid of snakes. Man, my neighbor and myself shovels behind bushes waiting for she just goes out and takes care of the snake. I understand you pick a snake up by its head, I believe, or anyway, that's what I'm told. But God told him to pick it up by the tail, God's way. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff. And in his hand, this uh, uh, back of staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. What's in your hand? Whatever's in your hand, God has put it there, and it has the ability to lead a nation. I remember sitting at Kingsway Christian College in a demountable room. I was just kind of sitting there after sort of talking to kids and teachers and parents and was looking out this window And I heard God say, this is why this Moses' life is so precious. I heard God say, what's in your hand? And what I began to realize is that I didn't quite put, put the picture together at that time, but it was just what I was doing every day. It's what you do every day. Ask yourself, what's in your hand? Because you have something in your hand that God will use to lead a nation. As we reset this church, the church is resetting. As it is hearing the misery of this community, God is speaking to us about what's in our hand. And so God said, I want to change. I want you to do something that's going to change the nation. Oh, my goodness, who am I? God, you must be talking to the wrong person. And then I said, okay, well, it's a Christian college. Maybe somehow this college is going to go across Australia. But the laws prevented that from happening, the way the Constitution was set up. You can't do that. So it's a block. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay, God, what are you talking about? So we had a pilot program at Kingsway Christian College <clears throat> to look after kids who couldn't 
work in a mainstream school. And so God kept saying, I want to put this across Australia. The kids that's going to that church around the corner, and those kids didn't fit mainstream school, but in this school couldn't have those kids because it didn't fit their constitution. God kept saying, what's in your hand? I'm trying to figure it out, Lord. And then on top of that, that year, we had to close the program because that school could not continue the program because it was against the Constitution. So, okay, we have to see if we can get the minister to make sure we can have a school. Of course, the school was all to one. So it was at a time where the minister was just knocking back all kinds of applications so we could start a school. Knocking back applications. We applied for an application that was not just one site but multi-sided. And so we got Sue and Denise, Colleen Caprioni, down in the storehouse praying. This is something impossible. The school's going to shut the program down. There's no way we're going to go across Australia. But you see, just like in this passage here, God had already gone, had already visited the elders of the Israelites, and he told them what was going to happen when Moses was to go there. They were going to listen to him. There were things going on behind the scene that Moses was not aware of. There were things going on behind the scenes to make sure that Alter One was going to survive. I didn't know that. But three people prayed. And on the last day of the minister, the minister said the minister was leaving the last week. After knocking back all these applications, we got word she signed off on Alter One. I didn't even know what was going on in the background. But you see, God had a plan. And we don't always know what's happening behind the scenes. If there's a closed door, there was a closed door. It looked impossible. And here's Moses. Who am I? What's in my hand? Throw it down. What's in your hand? Throw it down. Allow God to deal with it. He has things that our eyes have never seen. He has things for us that our ears have never heard. He has things for us that our minds cannot conceive. Not our natural minds or our natural ear or natural eye. It's a spiritual eye. It is a spiritual ear. It's a spiritual mind because we have the mind of Christ. And I'll tell you now, as we close, you have three things. You have a testimony. Moses had a testimony. When he picked a snake up, it turned back into a star. When he put his hand in his cloth, in his garment, it was leprosy. He put it back in, took it out. It was not leprosy. He has a testimony. We all have a testimony. We have a supernatural ability. We have the supernatural ability. But if we keep listening to a secular world, that becomes further and further away from the way we think. We have a testimony. We have a supernatural ability. And most of all, 
We have the word of God. The word of God is the truth. And if those who are calling out to God, those who are in misery, I am telling you from experience, if they hear the truth, the truth will. The truth will set them free. If we take our testimony, if we begin to understand what we carry, what do we carry as Christians? We carry that which is from the Father. Jesus said, what belongs to the Father belongs to me, and what belongs to me is available to you and me. I hear the misery. Please hear the misery. Remember what you carry. Remember who you are. Remember where it started. Continue to come to a place where you can say, here I am. Here I am. Father, we were singing this morning. Your name is above all names. What a great God you are. And Lord, this morning, this has been your word. I pray that you glorify yourself. And Lord, that you will bring to our conscious mind that which you have placed in our hands. I pray, Father, that you will help us to hear with our spiritual ear the misery that's around us, the capacity to, to deal with the misery, the things that you have placed in our hands, the testimonies you've given us. And Lord, most of all, your word, which is true, and Lord, we know, we acknowledge to you this morning that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to pierce in our bodies as deep as the soul and the spirit. And if, Father, we take this to a community that's in misery, you've heard them, and we take these things, Lord. It is by faith, it is by faith as this church resets itself that you're going to move us in a supernatural way to present the truth. And Father, we know the truth will set those who are in misery free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.